In episode 4.4 of Unshuffled, we examine the fourth album from Swedish band Ghost, Prequel, released in 2018. But first, here's our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. Scotty D. Cardinal Harris the third. <laughs> That'll do. I want to start today's podcast with a question to you. The album we're looking at today, Prequel by Ghost, is supposedly, arguably loosely, based around the concept of the bubonic plague or the Black Death. My question to you is this. Sure, it's interesting to study history, but what possible relevance could an album about a global pandemic have in these modern times? <laughs> so it, it's it's funny you bring this up because, and we're going to talk about this in the song notes. Mm. But but as I was listening the first time, first track comes up, I'm like wait a minute. This is the version of of of, uh, of Ring Around the Rosie that I've always heard about, but haven't actually heard, right? Mm. And then and then it moves into Rats. I remember a few minutes into Rats, I was kind of grooving on whatever the opening, and then this moment of, oh, for the love of, is this an album about a global pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> Just having this moment of, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this right now. Um, yeah. Good timing. 2018. I know. You know what, though? I, I just finished right before we st I started listening to this. I finished reading this book called Leave the World Behind, also written in 2018 about potential global pandemic. Mm. But like about this family, like living it in real time and just sort of starting to be fed information. They live up in the mountains of anyway. So I was reading that book, listening to this album. I was like fictionalizing global pandemics while masking up to go get milk. <laughs> so it was the yeah. two the two worlds converged. Yeah. Haven't they just I will say though, and, and I'm knocking on wood here, I don't wanna but but the the, the global pandemic we're living was easier to swallow than the global pandemics of the two fictional worlds I was dealing with. Hmm. Maybe pop a link to that uh, book in the show notes. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, it's great. Check it out. You have to read it. So good. Okay. Great. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, your honorable duties each week involve taking us through the details of the album, the date it was released, the label, and, and the various credits. Now, um, before you get into that, I'll just point the listeners to a link from our show notes to a site called gear4geeks.co.uk, which has put together an ultimate guide on this particular album, which has a lot of this information, um, which you might like to go and have a look at. But, you know, for completeness sake, we'll go through the key details of the album now. But, uh, yeah, there is an excellent guide to the nuts and bolts of this album there if you want to follow that too. All right, Scott, take it away. Released on June 1st, 2018. Produced by 
I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but Tom Dog Doggetti. That'll do. Okay. Um, who also produced, was known for producing the Pixies and Royal Blood. All right. So it was recorded. It looks like three studios, uh, Artery Studios in, in Sweden, Stockholm, Psalm uh, Studios in Bath, and then Westlake in LA. The, okay. So the lineup. I, I, I know that, that you're not a fan of this part, but we have, we, we have the, the lineup has a story. Uh, we, the, the Papa Emeritus, that, that, that line has paused, right? Not, not ended. It's, it's coming back for the next one, as we understand. Um, and so the new Pope is Papa Nihil. Nihil. I don't know. Um, and he plays the saxophone. <laughs> we, we've got ourselves a sax player. And, Saxophone. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and Tobias Forge here has taken on the role of Cardinal Copia. And then we've got our group of nameless ghouls. So, yeah. And then in the songwriters, I mean, this, this album is just, it's, it's knee deep in songwriters. There's like nine, 12 of them. It's mm. like a Lady Gaga album. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, the big event, of course, that took place between the previous album and this one was the lawsuit from the previous mm. Nameless Ghouls. And now we've got a whole new bunch of Nameless Ghouls. Now, that lawsuit was ultimately unsuccessful, I believe. I don't think they got what they were looking for and they ended up having to pay legal costs and all the rest. There was one key songwriter who wrote some of my favourite songs off the last two albums. Uh, his name just escaped me for a moment. Martin Persner. That's right. So he wasn't involved in the lawsuit, obviously, though he is no longer a name of school and he's no longer a songwriter. So that was my biggest question. I, I felt like just reading his role in writing the songs, I felt like of all the nameless schools, he was the one that Tobias had the closest relationship with. And that was kind of confirmed by the fact that he wasn't involved in the lawsuit. So my biggest question mark was not just what impact did that lawsuit and the complete sort of change of musicians that um, are behind Tobias, but particularly what did the loss of Mr. Persner what effect did that have on Tobias and his songwriting and the songs in general? I, my initial thought, so that was mine going in as well. And my initial thought, I think when I heard this, I, um, my initial thought was just kind of, I wasn't that keen uh, on my first, on the first listen. Um, I think, I don't know, who knows, whatever it, 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 it has since grown on me and, and it's, it's now, I, the time, you know, we've been what on this for three weeks now, give or take. And uh, there are songs that I'm ready to hear and I'm excited that they're coming up and it's, it's grown on me. Yeah, good. I think that's the nice thing about what we're doing. And it, it's kind of, I've spoken about it a couple of times in previous podcasts, but the fact that we do it this way, and sometimes you get an album that doesn't instantly grab you, but just as you used to do when you'd fork out your 20 bucks for an album and that was your album for the next few weeks, that's the one you listen to. And it gives it a chance to grow. Mm. I agree. There are songs on this that grew on me as well. I'll save my any further thoughts for 
after we've done the track by track. Uh, before we do that, though, we must, of course, mention the artwork. So we're on the same, it's been the same fella, right? Yeah, it's big new. Yeah. And uh, do you want to you wanna talk through that a little bit? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I got my information from that Geeks, Gear for Geeks webpage, which has a nice little summary of the artwork. All of the previous covers have been in some way homage So the last one, Meliora, was perhaps the least homage It was... Um, I'm not even sure we mentioned it on the podcast, but that was very reminiscent of the 1920s sci-fi film Metropolis, and they also borrowed from that 20s vibe in a couple of their film clips as well. It, previously, previous to that, were much more obvious the influences that we spoke of uh, Salem's Lot on the first one, and we had um, in the second one we had the film poster for Amadeus from the 80s. This one is another homage. This one is to a famous portrait, arguably the most famous portrait of all time, a painting by Diego Velasquez of Pope Innocent X. And uh, again, you know, just Google that if you're interested. But, you know, the same red robe. It's a mirror image, so he's facing, facing a different way. And obviously the face is different. He's replaced it with a sort of you know, more ghosty type figure. He's sitting atop the head, the giant heads of some rats and there's a, a big Gothic cathedral behind him. Um, so there are some other influences as well, but that central part is, in, is a homage to that famous portrait. Again, I would like to see a little more originality. I don't mind the whole homage thing, but to me... Okay, I mean, all art is influenced by other art. I get that, but I, I just would prefer to see a little more originality in, in the artwork. He's obviously a great, very talented artist. So let's. I'd like to just see his own stuff rather than his reinterpretation of famous other images. On the back cover, I've, and I've got the physical, this is the digi sleeve, unfortunately, but uh, the back cover is a really nice... Uh, what they call a triptych. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. I'll hold it up for you here, Scott. Mm. Uh, can you see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, with uh, some sort of, again, some ghosty figures and, and a little bit of that dance macabre. So those sort of death masks um, in, in the painting. And uh, we get the lyrics. Even though it's a digi sleeve, we get very small, but um, lyrics nonetheless, which makes me happy. And a whole list of credits and you know all the rest. So uh, yeah, Digi Sleeve isn't great. I'd like I'd love to see the vinyl for this. I'm sure it'd be better. But um, yeah, the artwork's interesting, but just a little too homagey for my taste. Yeah, you neglected Hellmouth. I'm just looking at that. I'm looking at the same site you're looking at. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, what there's like the, there's the old timey drawing of it, which. Mm. Okay. 15th century. Yeah. Go to the Gear for Geeks page, listener, and that will explain it all. But yeah, very cool, that Hellmouth thing. So it's, yeah, it's kind of smished two famous paintings together. The, the, the 15th century version, that kind of looks like Castle Grayskull. Mm. Do, you think, do you think that one's an homage to He Man? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. 
Maybe uh, Cardinal Copier is a homage to Skeletor. There's too many homages <laughs> already in this podcast. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to start us off with the track by track? Or yeah, let's get into it. Well, the okay. first one's just an opener. I mean, there's, it's not really a song. It's, and you already mentioned it. This is Tobias's daughter, I believe. I think she's around 10 years old when this was recorded. Maybe a little bit older, but she's singing Ring a Ring a Rosie, which is a song that has become associated with the Black Plague. The urban myth or the urban legend says that this song came out of that time. I don't think it's true that Snopes is a good reference on this sort of stuff. Whenever you hear something like that, I mean, I think it's still Snopes anyway, but it's still online. So, yeah, I don't think it actually came from that time, but, you know, you hear that song and you think plague with a tissue a tissue we all fall down they've had atmospheric openers on all of their albums and this is another one there's a little bit of guitar and synth and some foreboding drums but not much else musically the main the highlight here is the eerie singing of a child why is a child singing so eerie it's you know it's something that occurs in horror films uh, quite a lot but uh, yeah there's something sort of eerie about a lone child's voice singing something that has such a dark connotation. So an, an effective opener. You, did you like the, uh, did you like Ashes? Well, I was glad it was short. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it set, it set the mood. I, I, I mean, and I mean that I'm not trying to be, I mean, I, I mean that I was glad that they, they just sort of, they kind of sort of sort of trickled that out there a little bit. You know, gave you a, just a little taste of this is where this is going, and here's just kind of a mood setter like we always give you, and it was just a little taste of it, and then they kick off into the album. Yep, I think it was it was well done, which uh, takes us into the second track, mm-hmm. which rats kind of sounded like rat, right? The very beginning did it, it, it reminded me of not necessarily round and round or something, but something that totally could have been on out of the cellar. Um, yep. it, it sort of had that <laughs> 80s, that 80s hair metal kind of feel to it. Um, yeah. And there's the, there's an effect on his, first off, his, I'm noticing that the, the singing is getting better with each album, right? I mean, if we were to compare this to go back to the first album. But now there's some sort of effect on his voice that I don't know that I recall from from previous albums. And I can't tell if they're like doubling his voice or, or if it's some sort of weird effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and this is where I had kind of already talked about this. This was sort of as I was listening to the song, had this moment of, oh yeah, this is, we're, we're doing this, right? We're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna do an album about, about a global pandemic. Um, and, and it was all right, all right, you know, I'll hang in there. Let's, let's, let's see what we got. And I think this was also the first single. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Did you say the film clip? Yes. Yeah, in the yeah. diner. Yeah, yeah, I, and I like I like the film clip. I, yeah, this the yeah. I, I, it's got I, I, some funky I, dance moves. It's got some funky dance moves. He's got some funky dance moves. <laughs> he sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I like the song. It's it's not. I do, I don't know if it is one of my favorites, but I do like mm. it. Yeah, I like the song too. Classic ghost, really. I mean, it's got all those ghost elements. You know, the the big riff. I I quite like that electro effect on the vocals that you mentioned 
it gave it a real 80s feel. I'll come back to the 80s again and again through this album. I think the 80s was a major touchstone on many of the songs on this album. We spoke about some of the 70s influences on the previous one and on Opus Eponymous. We had 80s influences on their second album, Infestissimum. I think we're back to more 80s influences on this one here. But, yeah, we've got that, the synth. Um, you mentioned the vocals, a big chorus with the rolling of the R's, the rats. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you know, real sing-along sort of chorus, a bit different than, you know, the, the chorus is just one word, really. I love the finish. There's a really heavy last few bars of this song. It's a, a really good finish to the song. Big tick on production here, you know, faultless production, as you'd expect from Ghost. They, you know, they're playing in the big leagues now in terms of production, producers, mixes, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, again, can't fault the production. Classic Ghost, all those elements are there, beautifully balanced. All the instruments are audible and, and nothing dominates. So... Yeah, I mean, this is the plague song on the album. I'm not sure that there's – I wouldn't call this a con – certainly wouldn't call it a concept album. This is the song – the one song that is obviously and literally and directly about the plague. I'm not sure that there are many others on the album, but a really good song to open things up, I thought. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next song is called Faith. Now, this falls into the category of one of my favourite – type of songs you can get a heavy mid-tempo stomp the archetypical mid-tempo stop stomp as far as i'm concerned is sad but true by metallica and i did hear a shout out in one of the reviews they recognized the link between this and sad but true there's a huge riff and, and they have that in common they didn't recognize the thing that linked those two songs inextricably and you know we mentioned i've mentioned previously why don't more album why don't more metal albums have a choir that ghost made me think that after their second album well this one made me think why don't more heavy metal songs have this and i've got a prop are you ready i'm ready can you see that Every, yes, got yourself a shaker. <laughs> every preschool music teacher or, you know, primary school music teacher has one of those or a whole batch of those in their, in their box of goodies. The egg shaker. Now, sad but true has an egg shaker, I'm sure. I've never heard Bob Rock talk about it, but if you listen closely, there's an egg shaker in there and there's an egg shaker in this and it just gives, us a, gives it that little bit of swing in that, it complements that massive metal riff so beautifully. Great lyrics in this song. The first verse, now clearly this is about the court case, right? I, I've, I've been scouring the sort of, um, uh, you know, the forums. I've heard different theories. Of, one person said this was about Trump. It's, no, it's not about the court case. It's about Trump. And I, hmm. No, this is about the court case, surely. Um, and I love just that first verse is as metal as it gets, you know. There is a scourge in the guise of sanctity, a perpetrator with a quill. You know, these are, this is the language of heavy metal. This is heavy metal to a T, you know. We've been listening, those of us that have grown up with heavy metal have been listening to lyrics like this for decades, and, and it really rings 
you know, there's a, it strikes a chord with you when you hear that sort of language. That's metal, you know, a scourge in the guise of sanctity. And later on, he talks about a pack of fools can take the stand. Obviously, I think he's talking about the people that tried to sue him there. So great lyrics, especially in that first verse. Love the riff, the production, the shaker. I've got some big calls to make about this song. Firstly, this is my favourite song on the album. Okay, that's not that big a call. But here's my big call. This is the best ghost song that I've heard. This is my favourite ghost song. I come, I love this song. It's great. I, I love a mid-tempo stomp. I love it. It's done so well, so well. And this is a great heavy metal song. And this is, yeah, I, I'm, I could listen to this all day, this song. It's great. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, so I always, I feel like I always come into these things with like two or three songs that are potentially my favorite and I haven't yet decided this, mm. this is, this is one of them. Mm. I've got, I've got two on this one and, and this was one of them. You, you're saying in the sad, but true, I totally hear it now. There was I, the guitar sound though. There was this real eighties guitar sound and I was, and I was just like, what was this pulling me back to? And I kept feeling like kill them all. Yep. And so it's, it was it still it pulled me also back to Metallica, but I guess I was thinking a little earlier. Um, it's got that going back to the '80s that synth sound. Um, again, the effects are on the voice, or maybe it's doubled. I don't know what they did. Um, it's just it's just a good and and you've said it already. It's just a good straightforward metal song that's not afraid to just rock. Uh, it's it's got that speedy guitar coming at you, and it's just got that chugging riff behind it and driving it. And so, yeah, no, I'm I'm in total agreement. This is this is one of one of my favorite songs. Um, mm -hmm. The other one of my favorite songs comes up right after it, and that's oh. that's See the Light, okay. track four. Huh? Which I think if if you're saying that, so from what I've seen, if Faith is these two songs together could be about this court case, right? There's the, the, the argument. I've seen it also that um, this song is also potentially about that as well. Uh, yeah. It's, it's much more synth and piano driven. And this song, we really like the, the piano really kind of deserves a, a, a shout out. And, and I think I'm going to find a way for him in my Brown low. Um, but this, this song really kind of the piano is really gets going on. Uh, I really like the melody of the song. I like um, it plays with the dynamics again, uh, as as he's done before. It's interweaving sort of this quiet or this quiet sound with this soaring melody uh, that comes crashing in. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I like this song as well. Yeah. So here we've got the ballad. We were due for the ballad previous album happened around he is was around this point on the album i think maybe um yeah i think it was about about this point on the album unlike he is this is a, a classic power ballad with that big chorus that you mentioned and yeah i agree with everything you said the piano i quite like the bass lines on this too there's some nice mm. bass lines sitting underneath throughout this and again that lovely balance in the mix where you can pick up every instrument perfectly again those ghost elements that's sort of choral the choir-y, synthy thing that we heard a lot on the last album is back here. So, yeah, I like this too. It's a it's a classic, again, 80s-style power ballad. You know, you can think of bands like, I don't know, I guess Foreigner or um, 
Cheap Trick or any of those big, you know, the power ballad merchants of the 80s. There's touchstones here. Um, the only thing I'll say against it is that is that the R rolling is becoming a little bit distracting at this point. The um, the rats, many a rat. I mean, I could handle it on the song Rats, but uh, and drink me. Is he starting to sound a bit like the Count out of Sesame Street <laughs> at times? <laughs> I I don't mind it as a little bit of fun now and then, but I think at some point it becomes distracting, and this is where it became distracting for me. But um, anyway. A uh, good song, nonetheless. Hmm. After this, we had an instrumental. This one's called Miasma. One of the reviews I read mentioned a link between this and a classic TV show that, well, came from a book that um, I used to watch as a kid called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In that show, they took an, an instrumental by the Eagles called The Journey of the Sorcerer, which was a very banjo. You play the banjo, don't you? Yeah, I do. But the Eagles had a song called The Journey of the Sorcerer played yeah, on the banjo. Yes. <laughs> is... Please look it up. Please. <laughs> okay. If, if you're not leading into the next podcast with The Journey of the Sorcerer on the banjo, there's something wrong. But that was redone by an English electronic musician called Tim Suster. And that synth sound that he had in the TV show and in that TV theme is, is very reminiscent of his, of this. And, again, it's that early 80s nostalgia that it's sort of, you know, triggering for me um, here. That took me back to the intro to The Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy, which was a very nice memory of me. And it's not the first time and it won't be the last time that that feeling of nostalgia comes to me from this album. It's quite a proggy song. You know, it, it sort of meanders away. There's, there's a few different elements in this, including a sort of some tambourine slaps, you know, the bells of the tambourine. The percussion throughout this is, is quite interesting, some of the different elements they bring. I've always already spoken about the egg shaker. Here we get tambourine. That synth sound is is incredible. It, it's I haven't heard anything like it for, uh, you know, nearly 40 years but uh was, was great since the and then of, of course at the end we get um who was it papa someone papa on, the sa- on the saxophone mm-hmm. now that now they did cover the eurythmics on the pope star ep that we spoke about on the last podcast so i'm guessing maybe that sort of influenced that decision to bring in a saxophone here we um I thought the saxophone was going to play a bigger role than it did, but I like its little cameo here, and and it closes out. I, I'm assuming this closes out side one, and uh, I really like this instrumental. It ends what I thought was a very good side. I thought this was an excellent first half of the album. Interested to get your thoughts on the instrumental. The, the synth sound, it kept drawing me back to the Mannheim Steamroller Christmas album. That's <laughs> what I I'm not it's familiar. What I kept thinking. You look that one up. Yeah, can um, you link to that? <laughs> so, all right. Hear me out. This this mm. is this is all right. So my 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 take on this song and Dance Macabre are about to they're they're gonna seamlessly come together. You gotta follow me through on this. All right, please. Here's the scene. 1984-85, uh, kid moves to small town Indiana. 
right? Music is banned by the town clergy, but he's attracted to the deacon's daughter. But she's promised to Steve, and Steve's like the quarterback, and he's, he's you know, the, the church's leading Bible pusher. Anyway, Miasma is the training montage where our hero learns to play music, right? He's learning to play guitar, and he's going to play it at, like, the, the church function and 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 so the talent show or something anyway so so steve's he finally this is this is the montage goes on he learns to to play the guitar he's at the talent show and the scene melds to the show where steve's playing and he's performing and the town's gasping right they're they're slightly amazed they're slightly horrified and then the town geek uh poindexter we'll call him uh he comes out and it was like he's got like this trademark pork pie hat yeah and 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 he all of a sudden busts out the sax and at the moment he starts playing the sax the hat flies off and, is, and it reveals like this red mohawk the town goes wild our heroes save the town he saved music right so that's that moment and then and then it takes us to dance macabre which is the song playing over the closing credits it's where everyone's dressed in like that slightly risque 80s kind of leotard weird high-rise thing and and they're all dancing but in that sort of very 80s way and 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 the town is just finally just it's all given itself to to steve and poindexter and the magic of music and it was all done through the montage of miasma and then the closing credits of dance macabre i see the whole thing in my head i've got a vision for how this whole thing plays out i never knew this side of you the um yeah you've You've got a calling both not only as a music podcaster but as a scriptwriter by the sound of it. Um, I love it. I enjoy both songs, by the way. So Dance Macabre you liked? Yeah, I did like it. I didn't at first. I, I will say that. The first time I heard this song before we ever even started this album, I think this was the, this was the ghost song I had heard before we had ever and I remember being slightly apprehensive about this, thinking, well, I don't know about this. Um, I like it. I like, I like where it sits. I like if it does, in fact, start track two. Um, side two. Side two. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I like, I like how it fits. Mm -hmm. I didn't think when we started this podcast that we'd be talking about the influence of Irene Cara on the music we were listening to. <laughs> But we definitely have that here. This is somewhere between what a feeling and fame. Right. Or footloose, which way I was. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess whatever it is, it's 80s, right? I mean, and again, it's that big nostalgia trip. There's a massive feeling of nostalgia listening to this, and it takes you back. I, I kind of wish I had a time machine. I always wish I had. Every day I wish I had a time machine, but... This what I, one of the things I would do would be to take this song back in some form. I guess I'd have to put it on a cassette and go to every party I ever went to in my late teens and early to mid twenties, and just about one a.m. just put this song on and, and just watch the dance floor erupt. This this is a great party song. I think the reviews I've read one review that called this a banger, and. <laughs> You know when you hear a word for the first time that you've never really heard? I mean, I've heard the word banger, but I've never heard it used to describe music. But 
often when you first hear something, then you start to notice it. Now I'm seeing the word banger. Everywhere I look, every song's a banger. This is apparently one of them. I hate the term banger, but uh, that's what it's called. I guess it's that four on the floor um, dancey beat that qualifies it as a banger. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the montage idea. This is a montage song to me. Um, and, yeah, it belongs in an 80s film somewhere, so good observation. My, I, I got tired of this, though. I, after that nostalgia itch was scratched, I found myself getting weary of this pretty quickly. Like It felt like a novelty that wore off pretty fast. And maybe it's because I wasn't listening to it in the right place, which would be 1am on the dance floor at a party, in which case, bring it on. But this became a skip song for me. I just, when it came on, I found myself saying, oh, just not in the mood or, or something. I don't know. And maybe it's a song with a, that needs a certain mood and a, a time and a place to fully enjoy it. Not a bad song, but not one that I, I found myself coming back to or wanting to hear. You know, any response to that before I move on to Pro Memoria? No, uh, other than the, the, the feeling you had with this song, um, I'll, I'll express with the next one. Okay. What, what do you want to lead into Promemoria? You can, I'm happy for you to take it off. All right, well, I can do away. that. Uh, it, was, it was the next song. The, 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 that exact moment that you just described that you had with Dance Macabre is what I had with Promemoria, where I was, yep. it, I was just like, all right. I, 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 don't, I don't know about this one. Um, I said, I think in the last podcast, that I had sort of started to come around because of Ghost to, to, the, to theatrics in my metal. I'm out. I'm out on this one. It was, <laughs> and and I had this whole thing. I mean, the whole thing just reminded me of. It reminded me of Meatloaf, and uh, we 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 just lost Jim Stein, Jim Jim Steinem. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll walk away from this. But it it reminded me of Meatloaf, and I don't I don't want to be reminded of Meatloaf. Yeah, unless it's the food. Uh, not even the food. <laughs> I, I have you no haven't need. had the Italian version. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. But from where I stand right now, I have no need for meatloaf regardless. <laughs> it does have a symphonic opening. I can see that. You're quite a beautiful. I quite like the start to this. It's very cinematic, quite beautiful. Um, this, again, again, a different review pointed out the link with that Eagles song that I mentioned before, the um, the journey of the sorcerer. This not so much. In, there's no synth here. Seattle doesn't like have Eagles that synth either. Sound. Yeah. Well, I think you'd like that song though. Look, I, I I'm indifferent on this one. I didn't have the same aversion to it that perhaps you're suggesting. Certainly wasn't a high point. Uh, I mean, the lyrics are pretty obvious. We all die, right? I mean, that, that's part of the dance macabre. That. If I had to pick a theme on this, it wouldn't be the on this album in general. It wouldn't be the bubonic plague. But I think it's that dance macabre theme. So that dance macabre, what I mean by that is um, that was in medieval times that they embraced death as a, as a theme. You know, they stopped being scared of it. I guess, you know, living through plagues and things, you, you have to deal with it in some way. And they start having these dances where they dress up as corpses and you know the idea that everyone dies 
um, you know, don't you forget about death, don't you forget about dying. So, yeah, we see death celebrated in Mexican culture. And more recently, we've seen the rise of this um, Santa Muerte, the um, sort of variation of Mother Mary, but with a, with a skull that's become a, a more recent, almost like a religion or a, a cult at very least. So death is something that, you know, throughout history, humans have celebrated and, and there's something, you know, we like to be reminded about the fact that we're going to die. I guess in a way it's a kind of uniting thing and that's what the dance macabre was about. You know, the Pope's going to die, the poorest person's going to die, the richest person's going to die. We're all going to end up in the same place and I think that's what this song's about. And if anything, I think it's what this album's about. The next song, which image? Let me uh, <clears throat> take this away. Some of my random thoughts on this. We've got a tambourine, tambourine shakery thing. So again, some of those interesting percussion elements. This is the one where the bass lines really stood out. Mm -hmm. Some great bass lines for this song. This chorus stuck with me. It's a big chorus and very catchy. While you sleep in earthly delight. This, I, I was singing this while I was doing the dishes before. So, yeah, it's obviously one that stayed in my brain. You know, it's, it's hooked in there somewhere. It's a short song, only three and a half minutes. It has its moments, and the catchiness, I guess, is a testament to that. It's starting to feel, though, like a little bit of a flat spot on the album, and that was what I was hoping we'd gotten past. So with Pro Memoria and now this one, I'm starting to, you know, it's always this sort of, into the second side that up until uh, Maliora where where things started to drop away and my feeling is that things are dropping away a little bit at this point I don't know what you think about which image I liked it it brought me back right pro memoria lost me which image brought me back um, it it sort of blends that the synth with the guitar again as it's been we've been doing um, it has, as you mentioned, that sort of that soaring melody with the doubled vocals on the chorus. Uh, the verse quiets down and sort of allows the, the, the clean guitars to come in, kind of underpinning the vocals. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like it for being kind of the, the meat in the Pro Memoria melody sandwich mm. um, of, of tracks seven and nine. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's an all right song. Mm. I don't not like it. It's not one of my favorites. All right. Well, what do you think about the instrumental that follows? And you're our, you're our resident Swedish expert, so you can talk about the meaning of the, of the song title. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yes. All right, well. Helvetus Fonster. For, fortunately, I'm looking at that same page, and it tells me that it translates from Swedish as hell's, hell window. There you go. It seems to be picking up on, so th th there is a bit of a musical theme that's playing out in this album. And I think it's very subtle, but I think it kind of dominates Pro Memoria and it dominates this track. And, and, and there is definite um, similar melody. Yes, for sure. I made, the same, I made the same comment. The, the vocals, na, 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 that, yeah, it's, it mirrors the vocals in Pro Memorial. I agree. Right. right, right, right. And so, yeah, no, that was, and, and, and the, I will say this also about the, the I feel like the, the instrumentals on the previous albums were sort of bridges to something. These feel like they're, they serve a purpose. I'm not entirely sure 
what that purpose is, but Miasma and, and this one, they, they, they fit their songs, right? I mean, I feel like they're songs in their own right. They're not serving as sort of a link uh, from one track to the next, as I felt the instrumentals did on the last albums. Hmm. So my thoughts, firstly, there are three distinct movements in this song. So it's, it's almost three different songs. Hmm. This, now in previous albums, they have experimented at times with time, time signatures. So they've called it waltzes, but in my mind they've been 12-8 or 6-8. This is something like that. It's either 6-8 or 3-4. The classic 6-8 song throughout history is Green Sleeves. And this felt very Green Sleevesy to me. The panpipe and piano... You know, it had a very medieval folk song feel to it. See, look at you bringing it back to Mannheim Steenroller's Christmas album. There you go. (laughs) Again, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I will soon. Um, In the second movement, we get that 80s synth back big time. My favourite part of this particular instrumental, though, is the third movement. It's an extended outro guitar, piano, synth, and a kind of howling wind in the background sound. But this is very, it's quite repetitive, very beautiful, almost hypnotic, a really nice, um, peaceful moment in the album, I thought. So I really liked the end of this song. Um, The rest of it was okay too. And, yeah, they had to get the the non-4-4 song in, I get that. And it had a, a medieval feel, I guess, which, again, fits in with a lot of the, the themes on the album. Not terrible. It's not something that I'm going to come back to again and again, but um, didn't mind it, didn't mind it, especially the last minute or so of the song is great. The final song on the album is called Life Eternal. So we get some church bells at the end of Helvetus Fonster that lead then into this one. I always like a bell. I've mentioned my penchant for chiming bells previously uh so we get some here some church bells and we've got another ballad here so is it what's it how many ballads are we up to on this album two two or three but quite ballad heavy really really symphonic feel to this i think he's i think tobias has had a much more forward role in the songwriting process i don't you know, I know he's got a lot of collaborators, but I think his songwriting has is, is dominated this album more, certainly more than the last one. I also think he's starting to see himself in a very, very high company as a songwriter. I think there's a an Elton John. I think he has Elton John aspirations, put it that way. I'm not sure he's on that level, though. But, yeah, I can sort of hear a bit of Elton John in, in some of the things that he tries to do, and in, particularly when he's writing the ballads. Our old friend, the Egg Shaker, is, is back on this song. Um, my daughter, my one-year-old daughter's first musical instrument, hopefully not the last. Um, quite short for a ballad, only 3 minutes 30. The, uh, the other albums had some really big songs, you, to, you know, to, to finish. You think of Monstrance Clock 
what a what an album closer that was. To me, Life Eternal was okay, but just a little bit underwhelming. When you when you get to the end of a Ghost album, you're expecting something big, and I don't quite feel we got that here. I don't know what you think, though. So the song is another one of the songs that in my first listen that was eh, all right, um, but it's grown on me. And it, it definitely feels like it could be an 80s hair metal ballad. And as I was thinking that and listening to it, I'm like, but if this had been an 80s hair metal ballad, this would be, I, I think personally, top five. Top five right. 80s hair metal ballad of all time. Wow. I'm, I'm throwing it up there. Mm. Um, I mean, I, 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 home, home Sweet Home is above it. Don't Close Your Eyes by Kicks. That would be above it. Maybe what was it Angel Eyes by Steelheart? But this one's coming pretty closely thereafter. Wow. So you like it? I like it. And it ends on that call and response with the choir. I kind of like that mm. too. Okay. Well, we're done. The track by track is finished. Woo! And to this point, we're done with Ghost because this is at this point in time the last album they released. We're expecting a new one at some point. In this year, we're recording in early May 2021. I think there'll be one in the second half of 2021. But for now, we are done. So let's summarise our thoughts on this album. Your favourite song? You know mine. Faith. Yeah, mine. I, I mean, I'm still torn between Faith and See the Light. And I guess, I mean, you already you already laid claim to Faith. So mm. I'll, I'll, I'll give See the Light. It's, it's right. due. You go with the power ballad. I go with the power ballad. All right. Overall thoughts on the album? It, it grew on me. It's not my favorite Ghost album. Um, What's your favorite Ghost album? You know, I think, honestly, I know what yours is, and I, I think mine's Meliora. Yeah, mine's Meliora too. Oh, is it? I thought yours was Infesticism. I thought yours was Infesticism. Oh, well, look at us. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> yeah, Meliora to me, to me there was a... I didn't like the first one. I thought, I don't know what all the fuss, I still don't know what all the fuss is about. That was a sort of five or six out of ten. Infestissimum, seven or eight. Meliora is a clear nine or ten, and now I think we've dropped back down to around a seven maybe on this one. I, yeah, I think those lineup changes did have an effect. I think Tobias needed a little bit of personer. Yeah. Just to pull him back at times and just to guide him towards where the band is, I think, strongest, which is in those faith style. And you know, think about a song like Majesty off the previous album, some of the the real stompers that I've loved. You know, there's there's room for a ballad or two and, and they do them well at times, but I think it was a little bit overdone on this album and it just sort of lost me towards the on side two. Side one of this album was great. Side two just tailed off a bit for me. Yeah, I agree with that. So does that bring us to Ban Brown, though? Yeah. Woo! As always, I've given no thought to this, so I've got to hurriedly gather my thoughts. Have you Have you got any thoughts? I just put, I put it together while we were mm. doing this, but I, I've, mm. I've got it together so I can start it. Yeah, you do us. Uh, you lead us off. All right. So I meant your... One vote, your third best, and, and my my third best, my one vote. I had mentioned that I was gonna I was gonna have to give the piano some love, and mm -hmm. so there's your there's your Elton John. Um, yep, I'm putting putting the piano there. 
the my two, I'm gonna give it to the vocals. I like I like the effects on the vocals. I like the sounds on the vocals. My three, you cannot have a power ballad without a soaring guitar. Right. Not not just a guitar, the soaring guitar, and the soaring guitar delivers multiple times on this album. So I'm giving it that. Agreed. Yeah, really nice guitar tone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think Del Getty. Uh, he's a good guitar producer. Having said that, he doesn't. The guitar doesn't feature in my th uh, top three. My one vote goes to the bass. Um, I like the fact that you can always pick out the bass. I love that. So that's a sign of a good mixer and a good producer that um, that the bass is clear without dominating. But at times, you know, you. Um, there's some really nice bass lines throughout. I'm giving two to the vocals. And again, it's not just Tobias, but it's the effects that are added to him, the, the sort of self-harmonizing effects at times. There's some choir and thing that, things that come in at different times on the album too. I'll put them all under the heading of vocals and give them two votes. And speaking of putting things, I'd love to give it to just the egg shaker. <laughs> Three votes to the egg shaker. Uh, but I'll just let's just call it percussion generally because I really think there's some interesting stuff going on in the percussion section, not just the drum kit, but you know the bringing a tambourine here, an egg shaker there, and, and uh, I think it adds a lot of interest to the album. And there are some really like I think a rats, you know, sorry I should pronounce that correctly, rats as a really percussion driven song, and there's a, and there's a couple of those. Um, my favourite songs on the album are percussion driven. Song, so I'll give the three votes to the percussion for what it's worth. If anyone, if anyone cares. So, we can I announce the winner? Please, overall or just for the album? No, for overall. Okay. I mean, because right. we, 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 who knows when we'll get the next one? Yeah. All right. So our our overall winner is the vocals. Mm -hmm. I did that. I needed to build up the suspense. I should have started with the number three. The the anyway, the overall winner is the vocals. And then the guitar. Yep. And then the bass. Yeah. Okay. And the egg shaker. <laughs> the egg shaker. <laughs> egg shaker did not make an appearance until this this particular has not gotten a single vote. In fact, the choir has gotten more votes than the egg shaker. Okay. Um, and the uh, what was the other one? The timpani. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's not on the list. <laughs> Tiffany's not on the list. All right. Wondering uh, where they're going to go with the next album before we wind See, things I, up. I was wondering that too, and you had mentioned the progression from seventies to eighties, and I thought, well, surely we've got we've got a grunge nineties album coming. Yeah. <laughs> with the next uh, the next Pope's wearing a flannel, <laughs> and they can. I mean, <laughs> they can. They can. <laughs> they can keep Tom too because he's done the Pixies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Papa, what emeritus are we up to? Emeritus the fourth in his uh, combat boots with the laces undone. <laughs> Just, it is Doc Martens. <laughs> Flannel around his waist, one of those, what are those, like those, those thermal underwear yeah. shirts? <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, they'll do an MTV Unplugged uh, version. <laughs> 
See, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Recorded in Seattle. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I think we've we're done with Ghost. Uh, we, we've. Have, what are your thoughts overall? Have you enjoyed it? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad we did this. Yeah, me too. I am glad we did this. Yep. I'm. I'm glad I know this band, and uh, I can. I definitely see where. Um, Meliora is going to be in my regular rotation. And I think I like, I really like that live album. Yep. It sounds maybe like it was a little bit, you know, doctored in post-production, but that's all right. Uh, I, I, I do like that album and I, and I could see where, you know, I'll pick up tracks here and there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm happy to add, add this band to my list of bands that I know. I'm not going to be, running around town wearing a ghost t-shirt i find I, I do find a lot of the a lot of aspects of this band to be silly that whole you know the whole story thing and and i think the live i don't particularly find myself drawn to tobias forge as a as a human being i don't i can't really relate to the guy i, I don't like the fact that He's sort of subordinated the rest of the band and then he seems to not be a particularly nice person, although I guess plenty of artists, that you know, musical artists that I've liked throughout the years aren't particularly nice human beings. But if you just strip away all that, the music has at times been superb and I can't deny that. I think, you know... You see this band as the greatest band of the decade and all this sort of stuff. I think that stuff's a little bit overblown. I think you have to listen to them to make your own judgment. And I can understand why people would say that, but I'm not in the greatest band of all time camp. But equally, I'm not in the I hate this band, Ghost Suck, which a lot of people are. They seem to be one of those bands where you have a strong opinion one way or the other. And I'm one of the people that that don't. <laughs> um I really like the music a lot of the times. A lot of that's to do with just the production, I think, and, and the fact that, you know, they've hit the big time and they've got this beautiful sound on their albums. I think Tobias is a good, a very good songwriter at times who sometimes oversteps the mark. But when he hits it, you know, the the, the best three or four songs on each album are really good and, and they'll, they'll be songs that I come back to again and again throughout, you know, throughout the rest of my life. Yeah, agree. Well said. Um, well, so where are we going next? Just so that our listener, listeners know what to listen to next. We were slated to listen to a band called Abrams. We had also mentioned Baby Metal as a possibility. Can we just, for the record, say that we've both had a quick listen to Baby Metal and decided not to go down that path? So if you're wondering if we're ever going to cover Baby Metal, the answer is no. Abrams is coming up, but one of the bands, and this has happened, not the first time it's happened, but one of the bands that we've already covered in detail, Gojira, has, in the last week or two, released a new album. So that's going to be the one we cover next, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm so ready for this. I'm really excited, yeah. Especially, you know, in, it's always the way, no matter how good the band is, you get to the end and you think, I'm ready for something else. You know, it was even this, that way <clears throat> when we got to the end of Gojira. But, yeah, really excited to listen to this one. It's 
It's been out a couple of weeks, so our listeners have had a chance to listen to it themselves. Is this their seventh album or eighth? Seventh, I seventh? think, yeah. All right. Mm. It's getting great you know, press already. It's, <clears throat> it's, there's huge ratings on this and, you know, They've hit the big time, this band. It sounds like this album has um, not disappointed the fans. So, anyway, we'll find out over the next couple of weeks. But uh, I've got the CD coming and I'm looking forward to putting it on when I get it. Can't wait. And then we'll go with Abrams after that and then choose our next band after we after we get through the Abrams albums. Yeah. No, this is we, – we, we got a, got a nice stretch ahead of us. Thank you for sticking with us, listeners. This has been Unshuffled. You can find all the show notes from this episode, as well as our previous episodes, previous show notes, all the rest on our website, unshuffledpod.com. We are online. We have social media presence at unshuffledpod on Twitter, and we have an email address, unshuffledpod at gmail. So, yes, please feel free to... Contact us through Twitter, through our email, or, and check out our, our website, of course. Thank you to Smallstone, great record label. Go to their website. There's a heap of their bands. There's a heap of Smallstone bands on Bandcamp. The one you should check out in particular is Seven Planets, who provide the opening and closing music in our podcast. Their album is is called Explorer, and the track you hear is called Vanguard. Great album, well worth a listen, and check out their other music while you're there as well. And check out Smallstone, great label. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ghost. Thank you, Tobias. I've said some arguably not very nice things about you, Tobias, over the last four, four episodes, but I must thank you sincerely for providing some real highlights to my day you know some of the songs you have written have really made my day and and i think of faith of this album one of my favorite metal songs that not only ghost produced i think it's just it's gone down in history as one of my favorite metal stompers of all time so thank you tobias thank you nameless ghouls you might be nameless but your place in history is assured and thank you scott for discussing each of these albums with me Thank you, Matt, and I, I thank the Nameless Ghouls both on the Ghost album and the and the Nameless listeners and uh, out there and out there in podcast listening land. Yeah, um, yeah, no, this has been great. This has been fun. Um, I'm ready. I am looking forward to, you know, kind of moving on as as we always are when we get to this point. But but this was well worth it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Agreed. Bye, listeners. Thank you. All.